Yeah, me too. Okay. <laughs> let's, uh, let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is alive and active and sharper than a double-edged sword. Lord Jesus, we lift our hearts to you. We pray that you would speak to them. We pray that you would change us, that you would make us more like you, that we would desire you more than anything. Lord, uh, lift up your word today uh, in my heart. Pray that you would um, you bring clarity to both. And that we would respond to who you are, to what you've done, and what you've yet to do. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. So, uh, I, I, uh, one of my favorite movies is this movie called Elf. Have you seen it? And so... <laughs> standing at the end of this big old long table and there's this guy uh, that uh, came in to to write help write these stories and he's a, 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 a little person and uh, he's like oh an elf you know but he's like oh that's so sweet and he and this guy says you call me elf one more time I'm gonna you know, and he jumps up on the table and he goes, oh, isn't he an angry little elf? And he reaches out his arms like he's going to give a hug. Well, over and over again, as I was prepping for this message, that kept coming to my mind. Oh, isn't he an angry little elf? And uh, waiting for him to hug him. So if you have your Bibles, could you turn to Matthew chapter 5? So we're going through the Sermon on the Mount, and and as I uh, as I as we move on to verse twenty one, I just want to kind of give you some insight in the previous verse. See, in Scripture, sometimes what we do is we take a piece of Scripture and we don't look at the verses ahead of it or the verses behind of it, and we just kind of use that piece of Scripture for whatever. But in this, it's important in Scripture, reading Scripture, is to look at what was before and what was looking after. And the whole picture of it, right? So they call that the context uh, of the Scripture. And so when we look at it, we can't just take a piece of it and just go, okay, well, it's for this. And so in the context of this, uh, Jesus is preaching. Uh, we see Jesus' longest recorded sermon right and so he starts with what we call the beatitudes and goes through the beatitudes and then he uh salt and light and then he talks of right before this passage he talks about the law and he says this that that i i haven't come to abolish the law but to fulfill it right which leads us into this next piece of scripture so what he's saying is I want you to know that I have this authority. 
And you look at this law, you look at these, uh, this law in a certain way, but I want you to look at it differently. And so he goes to what we're looking at today. So, uh, <laughs> you have heard that it was said of those of old, okay, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. Now, okay, that makes sense, right? I mean, we all heard this. And so that's what everybody's going, oh, I know, I know, I know what this means. Yeah, that makes sense. If somebody murders someone else, they should get it, right? I mean, they should be liable to judgment, right? And so, so we're like, oh, yeah, murderers. Yeah, we get that. They should be liable for judgment, so that makes sense, right? And so I haven't murdered, you haven't murdered, we haven't murdered, right? I mean, because we look at this and, and we go, okay, well, murder, you should be liable for judgment. Well, that makes sense, right? If somebody murders someone else, they should be punished for it. Am I right? If they're convicted of murder, they should be punished for it. So, so that kind of... That makes sense, right? You've heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable for judgment. We can all agree on that, can't we? And so here he's sharing this, and everybody's like, yeah, yeah, I get it, I get it, right? But I say to you, wow, just, just, I don't know if you get this, but moments, so Jesus is opening up. He's saying, okay, so we're all in agreement. We get this. But I say to you, but I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of, of fire. So if you are offering a gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge. And the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. But I, verse 22, but I say to you, everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Wow. See, Jesus is doing this thing that just has wrecked me this week. <laughs> so, so that, you know, we get that idea of not murdering and that murderers should pay the price for what they're allowing or what they're doing, right? We, get, we all get that. But then he takes it deeper and turns it to anger. And you know what's interesting about that? You've heard that it was said, those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment, right? 
But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Wow. You know that the liable to judgment is exactly to the, the same for murder? Whoever's angry with his brother or sister. And this, this is what's so amazing to me about part of the, what's so amazing to me about scripture, right? Joe, come on. Will you stand in my circle? And so, so when we look at this, we go, okay, well, thou shalt not murder, right? <laughs> Joe's a murderer. He's in the circle. Oh, that's so amazing. That's, I mean, I'm not there, but Joe, I mean, he's so Joe, you know? And it just kind of presents this attitude, right? Like, I follow the law. I've never murdered. I've never done this. So, so it allows me to, I have to stand this high so I can look down. It allows me to point fingers and yeah, Joe, you, you, Joe, right? And then all of a sudden, Bobby and Noah come here. Come on, hurry up, boys. Hustle, bustle. Uh, all of a sudden, Jesus turns that around. Get up, bye-bye, Joe. That was really close. So somebody was going to be liable for murder. So all of a sudden, Jesus changes it, right? Says, thou shalt not murder, right? Get close, really close, okay. Get really, really, really close, okay. Why don't you just hug him? Okay, go ahead and hug him, boys. Both arms around him, there you go. Get closer, closer, closer. So, so Noah and Bobby here. All right. So, so Noah and Bobby, you know, all of a sudden, this pointing the fingers at Joe, all of a sudden, they're all together in this. That Jesus opens it up more. And here's what's so incredible. We go back to the law. The law is meant to draw us closer to God. And how does it draw us closer to God? It shows us our guilt. That we're in desperate need of a Savior. Right? And so we look at this and we go, all of a sudden it's turned around. I can't point fingers anymore. All of a sudden I'm in the same circle because all of us have been angry. Right? So, so Jesus took this one thing that we could go, oh, there, 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 there. And all of a sudden, oh, it's not just about them. It, it, it's me. It's me. And, and so when we look at this, it says, You have heard it said of those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother is liable to judgment. So it's, it's, he's opening it. And he's not elevating one or the other. He's going, hey, listen. When you're angry with your brother, when you're angry with your brother, it's like murdering them. Why? Because it all stems from the heart. See, you, you, you got all the right things on the outward appearance, but what about your heart? And he's elevating this idea, this mentality, that, that 
murder is not just a crime against other people, but it's a crime against God. And so now, not only is he saying that, but he's saying that anger is the same. That anger is not a, just a crime against our fellow man, but it's a crime against God. And we should be liable for that. Wow. Changes everything, doesn't it? And so when we read this piece of scripture, how do we relate to it? What do we do with it? I mean, is it okay for me to be angry? Is it okay for me to be upset? Bible says that, that uh, I'm not to let the sun go down on my anger. Right? That I'm to deal with it. That I'm to work it out. It also says that I'm not to let my anger lead me to sin. But when we look at this piece of scripture in the context, I would argue that this is a relational thing. Because it's with our brothers. Isn't this fun? Have you been this close to somebody in the while? Okay, anyways. This is kind of fun. I don't want them to stop because I know these two, three boys are feeling awkward. Well, Joe's not, but the other two are. Uh, <laughs> Joe's fine. He's used to it. Bobby? Not so much. He's fine. Okay. So, uh, so it's this idea that Jesus didn't come to diminish. He came to say, I want you to look at it this way. Okay. How can we get out of this? Down, Down or up? Down. Okay. Good job, boys. I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Wow. The whole circle idea. Angry, selfish, prideful. This idea that, that nobody's going to talk to me this way, right? And then it goes into, uh, from this anger mentality, it goes deeper, doesn't it? Because then it says, whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel whoever insults his brother, right? I mean, so all of a sudden, it's taking what seems to be an internal thing, you know, I'm mad, I got to do this, right? And then I lash out on other people, and I insult them. Maybe, maybe you've seen this in action, right? So uh, every so often, I run into people that, that will come up to me, and they'll, they'll do this. They'll go... Well, I'm not, I'm not good at this, so I don't really know how to do that. Good job. I, I really uh, like your hair, but boy, that psh, headband, psh, it's for the birds. Right? I mean, so, so I'm not good at it. I don't really flow this way. This is really against who I am. Uh, but this idea of where you pay someone a compliment, and then you uppercut them. Do you, do you, know, do you know what I'm talking about? Where you say something really kind and nice and it's sweet. And you're like, oh, you're so nice. And then all of a sudden they take a knife and jab you with it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Little barbs. So when we hear, see this word insults, that's, that's the idea. And scripture says that, 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 uh, that we're to, we, 
in James, it talks about this idea of salt and fresh water, that it shouldn't be coming out of the same stream, that we shouldn't be blessing people with the same mouth that we curse them. It's this idea of, of being careful of what we say and how we say it and, and honoring people. And so when anger, when anger turns and moves and it becomes to insulting others around us. Have you ever been there? I say I'm not good at it, but I know I've been there. I know I've done it. Right? I know I've responded in anger. Haven't you? And I know you have. Second one, you fool. I'll just read it in context. Uh, Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel, and whoever says you fool will be liable to hell of fire. Wow. I mean, we read through the book of Proverbs, and it's got uh, all kinds of stuff about foolishness, right? So, I, I mean, so the Bible points out foolishness. That word is raka, and it means it's a condescend, condescending ridicule. So what that means is that this person is meaningless. They have no value. Right? So you see you see I remember doing a uh, a memorial service or something of the sort. And we had all these people come in, and they had different backgrounds and stuff. And I remember, uh, I remember somebody coming up and sitting right in the front row of this. And this person, um, this person was hurt because of an experience that they had. They were deeply hurt, Right? Which makes sense. When you lose someone, you're deeply hurt, no matter where you're at. And when you lose someone, and it's someone else's fault, you get angry with them, and you say things, right? So I remember uh, this was one of those occasions. And so remember this person sitting in the front and uh, said about another person that they're a waste of breath, right? They're, they're worthless, they're, and, and call them some other things, right? And so, uh, so for me, that was like, wow, that kind of hurt and hit hard. And so for me as a pastor, I'm like, I'm sorry that you're feeling this way, you know, and love and hug and, and pray for them, and, and try to tone them down. Could you imagine if you had this big old memorial happening to all these people? We had tons of people in here, and in the front row was this person that was saying this about this situation, about this other person. How intense that could be. It's so all like, oh, how can I get rid of you? <laughs> I just need to walk you out, right? Nobody's going to see you. But I mean, So I want to do that. But in the same sense, and when we look at this, 
you fool will be li liable to the hell of fire. That's pretty strong wording, isn't it? Can I, can I just paint a picture of scripture to you really, really uh, clearly and quickly? First thing is this, is that throughout scripture, we see this idea and this mentality that people have value. Over and over and over again. I mean, we look at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave. Over and over again. The Bible says that we were knitted together in our mother's womb. Does that say that someone that God has made doesn't have value? No, it demonstrates their value, is, doesn't it? says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. Again, value. And so when we read through scripture and we see this idea of insults and, and saying that someone uh, is, has no value, it, dismiss, it dismisses the value of that person but also it, it puts into question their creator. You see, if we have a relationship with God, that means that we believe that God has made all things, right? And that therefore, people have value, all people. And God values life every time. You have heard that it was said of those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. I'm going to put my finger in 23. So when I read through this and when I see this, we must look at it from an overarching idea or mentality of what a believer looks like. So if I have a relationship with God... That means that I'm called to love unconditionally. That I'm to love like Jesus loves, right? That I'm to uh, cherish others. That means that not only am I called to love unconditionally, that also means that I look at life differently. I change. You see, as believers... People that walk with a relationship with God, we, when we walk in this relationship, we're designed to give life, not take it away. Do you see how this piece of scripture demonstrates that? So two, some ways that we can take life away is that when we get angry and we insult, 
when we get angry and we say that people don't have value or meaning. Are you following me in this? When we let anger dictate how we are going to respond, how we're going to treat others, how we're going to care for others. When we do that, what we're doing is taking. And so I really need you to grab hold of this. Because believers don't take, they give. They speak life into. They care for the needs of others. Religion that is pure is those that care for the widows and the orphans. Over and over again, we see this idea and mentality in Scripture that we give and not take. And Jesus is reinforcing that idea and mentality. And not only does he reinforce it in the scripture, but he demonstrated it. Right? For God so loved the world that he gave. He wasn't taking. He was giving. You see this mentality? It's a literal paradigm shift that we have to get in our heads. So we don't just, we don't just come to church and do this. To get, we come to give. And if I have a relationship with God, that means that God designed me for this time, for this people, and for this purpose to give. I wonder how we would look at life differently, or even church differently, if we made that simple shift Lord Jesus what do you want me to give this morning Lord Jesus how can I give to so and so how Lord how, how could I give to those that are around me and then all of a sudden our mentality has changed from a consumer mentality to a contributor mentality and that means that I walk in the door and that means that God's called me to give to others. So I give a smile. I give a hug. I give a prayer. I give a cup of coffee. <laughs> I give a dessert or a pastry or breakfast. I give a handshake. I care. It changes, doesn't it? So when I read this piece of scripture... I see this transition that, that when I insult, when, when my anger leads to something else, what happens that I become a taker instead of a giver. Now let's keep on reading that. Verse 23. So if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Okay, so let me explain that really quickly. So if I have a gift, or I'm serving, right? I've come to give. So I'm doing my thing. I'm plunking on the keys or singing, or I'm messing with the computer in the back or the soundboard, or I'm greeting somebody, or um, I'm worshiping, I'm giving, I'm doing whatever here is here. And if, I, if I'm in the middle of that, 
if I'm doing that, if I'm giving, I'm bringing a gift to the altar. That means what I give is unto God, right? So I'm giving a gift to the altar. Leave your gift there. So if I remember that a brother has something against me. So if a brother has something against me. So if I remember that Sean has something against <laughs> I just wanted, I know, I'm sorry, Sean. <laughs> You're right there. Okay, so if I remember that, that Sh- Sean has something to give to me, uh, something against me, and I'm in the middle of preaching my sermon, or I'm in the middle of worshiping God, the Bible says that I'm to stop and I'm to go. And it says to be reconciled. So what that means is that I'm to work things out with him. I'm to work it out. And we're, that's if he's got a problem with me. Right? Sean's got a problem with me. I have nothing. To, I don't have a problem with Sean. Right? And it comes to my mind, oh, well, he's got a problem with me. So what I'm supposed to do is I'm supposed to drop everything and go. So what that means is that my first priority, back to the, to the list of the Beatitudes, blessed are the peacemakers. My first priority is to make peace. My first priority is to be a pursuer of peace. My first priority is to try and work stuff out. As long as it depends on me, I'm going to make peace. Do you see this idea? So if I feel like somebody's got a problem with me, I drop it and go, wow. So let me ask you this. So when we look at this perspective, a believer is not a taker but a giver. Right? So in every relationship, I am to pursue peace. And sometimes the truth is, is peace doesn't happen. Forgiveness depends on one. Reconciliation depends on two. Forgiveness depends on one. Like I can forgive somebody for something. That's, that's just up to me, right? Reconciliation depends on two. And so as far as it depends on me, I'm to make things right. Sometimes that doesn't happen, does it? But as far as it depends on me, I'm to do everything I can to make it right. Because that's what believers do. So there's this separation, this angst between God and man. And what did God do? As far as it depended on him, he was going to make it right. He gave his life and rose from the grave to make it right. As far as it depended on him, he made it right. And so when I walk in a relationship with Jesus, I am to stop 
leave my gift at the altar. If I think that someone has something against me and I'm to work it out. So if you're offering, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled with your brother. My first priority is getting stuff right. And then come and offer your gift. So I don't just go and make stuff right with Sean, but I go and make stuff right with Sean, and then I return with my gift. Right? Sometimes we don't do that. Sometimes we know that someone's got a problem with us. We go and try and work it out. And since it didn't work out, we, we isolate ourselves and push ourselves farther from everybody. Do you see that? But the scripture says to go make it right and then return with what you have. Verse 25, come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court. Let your accuser hand you, uh, lest, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Verse 26, truly I say to you, you will never get out until you've paid the last penny. So what that means is that wherever I go, so Joe is my accuser, where, wherever I go, even if he's going to put me to court, I'm going to try and work it out. That's my first priority. So over and over and over, our first priority is what? Reconcile, making things right. Because what? Scripture calls me to be a peacemaker. Does that make sense? So I pursue that. So now let's, let's go a little deeper. You can sit down, Joe. Let me get personal. When you're driving, <laughs> this is, I remember I've made some of my worst decisions in anger when I was driving. Have you? No? Great. Good for you. Uh, how about a political rant? How about when the mask slips off in your home? So when we look at this word anger, this, Jesus is saying, is the same intensity as murder. So when we respond in anger, when we go after people in anger, when we assault, insult, and assault 
and, and make certain assumptions about other people. We are committing tiny little murders over and over again. So how do we respond? So how do we respond? How do we respond in the midst of all of this? This is how we're to respond. Let's go back to the Beatitudes. Blessed are the poor in spirit. We should be desperately convicted by the anger that we carry. I, I kept reading the scripture this week and looking at it over and over and over again. And I found myself with my face in my hands. Because I'm guilty. See, the law is meant to drive us towards God. It's meant to demonstrate our dependence that I can't, but Jesus, he can. And so when we respond, we respond in repentance. Repentance means, God, I am so, so sorry. Please forgive me. Please help me not to do this again. And we make it right with God. And we make it right with man. So where are you at with this? If you are just honest with God, Would you say, oh, I'm great, God, or, wow, God, I need you. I'm so, so sorry. Forgive me. One of the most amazing characteristics of God is that he takes us, he forgives us, and he enables us to live differently. So if you feel like you're continually responding in anger, I'd encourage you to find healthy ways to let it out. Here are some healthy ways. You, you tell God, I'm so mad. Please help me. You go to others and you ask for forgiveness. You make, as far as it depends on you, you make peace. You do everything that's in your power and in your ability to make it right. You do everything that's in God's power and God's ability to make it right. Right. 
because we're called to pursue peace every time. So let me ask you again, I'll get more personal. If you were to take a moment, actually, let's just take a moment. Would you bow your head? Would you ask God where you're at with anger? How do you respond when you're angry? Do you take it to God? Do you take a deep breath? Do you let it go? Do you respond with insults and elevating yourself? So if you're here this morning and you say, you know what? I need to tell God I'm sorry. If that's you, this is your moment. Tell him you're sorry. God, please forgive me. Please forgive me. Help me to change how I respond. Holy Spirit, convict me. Change me. Lead me. need you more than the air I breathe more than the water I drink more than the food I eat I need you maybe you're here this morning and someone's got a problem with you and you know it Would you just take this moment to make a decision to make it right? Leave your gift at the altar. And work it out. And as you have that person in mind, you just pray with me Lord Jesus please help me go not to prove anything not to demonstrate anything but just to show you love that person would you give me the courage and boldness to apologize, to hold my tongue, and to speak life. Help me, Lord Jesus, to be a giver and not a taker.
Would you stand with me this morning? I just want to sing one last song and then we'll be dismissed. <laughs>